أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد The title I gave for today's talk has to do with what a Muslim should do and how a Muslim should survive in a time when the truth no longer has any meaning. When the truth is what? It's just one option amidst a thousand lies. If we were to look at this from a probability and a statistics point of view, if I had a box in which there was a thousand, a thousand different tokens, 999 of them are red and only one is blue. And I blind stuck my hand in the box and pulled one out. Am I going to pull out the blue token? Statistically, the correct answer is one out of a thousand times I should pull it out. Practically, I'm not going to pull it out. It's not good odds. If the doctor told you you have one out of a thousand chance to survive, you're going to die. Either the doctor is wrong or you're going to die. Your wife is thinking, you know, which, which one of her cousins or which one of your friends she's somewhat fond of so she can keep the number handy for four months and ten days later. Because she's a pious woman, she knows things. We live in an era Look, we already knew that the news lies about stuff. We already knew that there is such a thing as propaganda. We already knew that everything on TV wasn't correct. My favorite quote that I read uh, was, you can't believe everything you read on the internet by Martin Luther King Jr. You already knew that not everything was correct on the internet. You already knew everything the government told you wasn't 100% above board. You already knew everything your parents told you wasn't true. You wanted pizza one time. They said the pizza place is closed. You're like, no, I'm pretty sure it's open. It was open. You figured it out. But since October 7th, the breathtaking amount of lies we have seen have even surprised us who have been saying for our entire adult lives and even from our childhood that these people are lying and said, oh, how is it that someone lies so much? Everything they say is a lie. Even we're surprised. Some of us come from countries in which there are literally totalitarian regimes such that if they tell you this, it's daytime, you can be sure it's night. We're still surprised, man, how much are these people lying? And one of the funny things is, look, now lies when they happen. The lie happens on CBC, you see on Twitter, live feed. As the talking head on the CBC is talking, CNN is talking, BBC is talking. Literally, live stream side by side, you can see the reputation of why this is not even mathematically possible. Right then and there, you see that they're lying in real time. 
then you're like, wow, maybe all of these things that they've been saying for all of these years, when we didn't have access to information and resources, all those things were lies as well. So a person, at least a smart person, starts to re-examine everything they've been told. Now it makes sense. I used to wonder, how is it that the companions of the Allah could have fought with one another? Can you imagine, can you imagine one mufsid in the middle who is lying about Sayyidina Uthman and people who don't know who he is? And they believe, they're so naive that they believe that no one else would ever lie. How is it that they could be made a fool out of in order to have so much enmity with him and fight him? Even though there are also people who pray five times a day and say, La ilaha illallah. Look, even the hadith of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he tells about the Imam Mahdi alayhi salam, that the peop- the, the, there will be an army sent, one of the first things that will happen after his dhuhr, after he becomes made apparent to the ummah, is that an army will be dispatched from Sham, from the north, in order to fight against him. It will come to Baydaq, a place that is an open desert, and the earth will swallow all of them up. The companions, radiallahu anhu, asked, will all of them go to hell? Right, because they're fighting the Mahdi, right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said something really amazing. He goes, no, all of them will be raised on the Day of Judgment according to their intention. Someone who's a complete government lackey, he's going to be raised with that burden. Someone who's fighting for money, he's going to be raised with that burden. Someone who's completely nonchalant, he'll be raised with that burden. Maybe someone actually is under the mistaken supposition that this guy's a faker. And that's why they're fighting him. That person will not be raised with the rest of them. Look, life is difficult and it's confusing. We all, those of us who are a little bit older, we all remember the pandemic. People called me and they're so like racked with anxiety. Should I take the vaccine? Should I not? I said, look, I don't know. Maybe it will cure you and save your life. Maybe it's a complete conspiracy from a pharmaceutical company in order to make money and it will actually harm you. I really don't know. But the fun thing is that we've become so comfortable and so naive in our comfort, the way we live, that we forgot that all of human history was like this. And even the time we were comfortable, we were just stupid. It was like this then. We just were so too stupid to understand that this was the case. We trusted those who shouldn't have been trusted while disbelieving those people who are trustworthy. So I don't know what to tell you. I still don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is there was a reason why the Mashaikh and the pastors to read their du'as. There's a reason the Prophet gave us all these du'as to read for protection and for all of these other things. There's a reason Allah Ta'ala from His mercy gave us the Qur'an. Otherwise, you don't know. So many things you're completely sure of on the Day of Judgment, you'll realize it was a complete scam. So many things you thought were a scam, you'll be like, oh wow, that was actually a thing. We've seen that cover being raised in front of our own eyes. Every source of authority in front of us. The media, politicians, Muslim politicians, non-Muslim politicians, people from every party, just lie. They bombed the hospital. How could you bomb the hospital? No, 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 no. It was Hamas who bombed the hospital. Okay, now here's like all this like super documented, foolproof evidence that it could not have been them. No, no, no. There's a base underneath the, the hospital. That's why that's why we bombed it. 
How do you know? Oh, because we actually ourselves built tunnels under that hospital when we built it. They go under the hospital and they find like, like five, six rifles. An average house in Texas has at least four times that amount of weaponry in it. You ever seen like the Chokidar, like the, the in Pakistan, India, the like the guard, poor old guy, retired guy, but has to keep working because there's no one to like raise his orphaned like grandchildren or something. And you know his gun, even if you pull the trigger, you don't know what, if anything will happen or if anything will even get stuck or not. You see four of those, see, look, they have weapons. Guilty, big terrorist, right? You saw that, you saw that. One fraud, one lie after the other, after the other. And they said, oh, it's because there's a Hamas base underneath the, the, the hospital. Now every single hospital in the entire Gaza has been destroyed. You see that? Allah have mercy on them in this world and Allah have mercy on the hereafter the day that he asks us this question why did you let this happen and not a damn one of us has an answer for it whatever answer you think is your answer right now trust me it will look even dumber than keeping your mouth shut on that day That they went into the hospitals and they literally let the babies die in incubators. And they didn't even have the decency to let them be buried, that they found the rotting bodies after they were there. They're not even a military, they're just thugs. When they're thugs, left the, left the, the, the occupation of hospitals. They find babies rotting in the incubators. This, oh, this is just Hollywood. this is just Hamas propaganda. No, it's not, we saw the pictures, we all saw the pictures. The actual solution to this problem, I can't really talk about right now. So we're going to talk about something else. Which is what? How do you deal with an era where everything everyone says is a lie? The impulse of those people who have no connection with Allah Ta'ala is what? Well, since they're lying, you should lie too. And indeed, many Muslims are professional liars. Like I said, many of us come from countries with totalitarian governments that lie about every single goddamn thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blight such people. Politicians lie about everything. Mashaikh lie about everything. There's an entire concept, a pseudo-concept in, 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 in the Muslim intellectual discourse called taqiyah, which is what, you know, in order to achieve a greater good, sometimes it's all right to lie about certain things. But the Ahl-Sunnah say if someone's going to kill you or cause you grievous, grievous harm or damage without right, you are allowed to, you are given the permission to lie to save your life, but you're also given the permission to tell the truth. There are some people who are shayateen in the clothing of Mashai, they're shayateen, they're devils in the clothing of, of, of human beings, in the clothing of a Muslim, in the shape and the form of a Muslim. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. What do they say? They say, it's okay, lie, you can lie about this, oh, we have no choice. And they make a hundred excuses for it, and what happens is all you're left with is lies. Whereas the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa what did he say? The truth will save you. Your salvation is in what? It's in the truth. Whereas lies are destruction. 
What did he say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ana A believer might be a drunkard. There may be someone who's addicted to some substance and you're still a believer. It's really difficult to fight with. It's difficult to give up. Some of you may have been through that before. Some of you may still be going through that. May Allah ta'a give you madad. Some of you may have known somebody who's gone through that. It's not easy to give up. A believer might be a fornicator. They might commit zina. They may fall victim to their own nafs. It's not okay. It's not right. And it's, re- it's really bad and it will harm you. It's never worth it. But it happens from time to time. We're human beings. Can you imagine? There are companions, radiallahu anhum, that drank. And there are companions that, radiallahu anhum, that committed zina during the life of the Prophet And if anyone of you says that they were not a believer, I say your salat is and your siyam and your zakat and hajj is nothing compared to those people, the state of imam they had even while they were drunk. They struggled with it. They fought it. They pushed it as hard as they could. It's hard. Not everyone's test is the same. Some people's tests are genuinely harder than others. He says that a believer might be tested by that. But a believer is never a liar. A believer is never a liar. The Sidq of the Anbiya is something if you don't believe in it, not only are you not a Muslim, but you don't really believe in Nubu'ah in the first place. Because, and I say this when teaching Aqidah, that an objection against the Prophet is not an objection against the Prophet. An objection against the Prophet is what? An objection against Allah, that Allah was unable to deliver his message. Whereas Allah is by definition the one whose ability, has ability to do whatever he wants. But even the companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, their love of the truth was greater than their love of other things. There's the story narrated in the Athar of the commander of a detachment of companions, radiallahu anhu, that were captured by the Romans. He asked one of them, one of that detachment, to renounce Islam and to accept Christianity. Or I'm going to boil you alive in a vat of oil. As a fiqhi issue, if you're put in that position, you're allowed to say, yeah, you know, when's, when's Christmas dinner? Let's do this, you know? As long as inside you, like, you're just trying to save your life and then you skip town and say, yeah, well, you were going to kill me, but like now let's walk across the street and have the conversation again. He was allowed to lie about that, but he didn't, so they boiled him alive. Then the, the, the Roman governor calls forth the next one, and he sees him, tears in his eyes. And he says, are you afraid to die? He says, no, we'll lie. He said, well, then why are you crying? He said, I, I wish I had as many lives as I have hair on my body in order that I can say this truth again and again and again for the sake of Allah The Romans were not renowned for being merciful people. In fact, they considered mercy to be somewhat of a dubious characteristic in a man. And they still do. It's a maxim of the ulama. They say if anyone ever tells you that the 
Romans became Christians, don't believe them. But if they ever tell you that the Christians became Romans, you can believe them. But even this is a human being, he has some decency inside of him, he was moved. And he got down off of his throne, his seat, and he kissed this, uh, this commander on the forehead and he said, go, all of you are free. Because he knew these are decent people. Look, who will appreciate that act of truth? You and me won't appreciate it. The person who lied every day of his life and never spared an opportunity to lie to get, get a leg up on somebody, that one will appreciate the fact that this is not a normal thing to do. This is not a normal thing to do. Only someone who has madad from Allah Ta'ala coming down on their heart, that's the only person who will ever be able to do something like this. The fact that you and me take it for granted because we read the Quran every day, we pray every day, shouldn't fool us into not appreciating that this is a high and grand maqam with Allah Ta'ala and one that should be appreciated a person if they have the topic to say the truth even when against themselves they should say Alhamdulillah because this is a blessing and an honor Allah Ta'ala did not give to everybody the highest rank of wilaya before being a Nabi is described as what? Sid Sayyidina Abu Bakr is a Siddiq the one who is inwardly and outwardly emphatically honest in his entire state who are our aslaf if you go to America you can't say the S word but I guess it's Toronto so we can go ahead and say it in the Shajara of the Sufis the Sufis you'll see a name which is universally celebrated by the aslaf Sufi and Salafi all of them you look in the tabaqat you'll see praise for these individuals so in the Shajara Mubarakah, you'll see a name. Habib al-A'jami. As the name indicates, he was a convert, a Persian-speaking convert. He didn't speak Arabic very well. And he was a disciple, a student of uh, the, the great Shaykh of the Tabi'een, al-Hasan al-Basri, ta'ala. And so Hassan al-Basri and Habib, his student, as well as really the majority of the pious clique in those days, they used to frequently get in trouble with the government. Because the Khulafa Rashidun, their time passed a long time ago. Now you have some of the tyrants of Banu Umayyah. I don't say all of them were tyrants, but some of them definitely were. You have the famous homicidal maniac of early Islamic history, Al-Hajjaj bin Yusuf that they, they had to contend with. These are people who killed dozens of uh, people at the same time. He's the one who assassinated so many companions anhu. He assassinated Abdullah bin Umar anhu in Hajj. So he's not like the most scrupulous guy in the world. Once the enforcers, the soldiers, the lackeys of Banu Umayyah came to Habib's cell that he lived in, while Hassan al-Basri was visiting him. Any, anyone from Lahore? Any Lahores here? Come on, Bale, Bale, raise your hand. No? No one from Lahore here? Okay, forget about that then. Anyone? Wow. Gujaratis and Pakistanis don't get along in Toronto? I'm so much, I'm so much shocked. No, no bother. So at any rate, the uh, goon enforcers of Banu Umayyah come to Habib Ajmi's house. 
They knock like the police. And they say, where is, where is Hassan al-Basri? We're looking for Hassan al-Basri. And he's literally right there in the room. And so Habib says he's right here. This is the miracle of Al-Habib al-A'jami. Or Al-Hassan al-Basri, or maybe both. That they couldn't see him. And so they say, the soldiers say to Habib, they say like, don't mess with us. Where is he? He says, no, he's right here. They get so upset, they strike him in the face. They said, We've, we kill people for less than this. Don't joke with us. We should kill you for this. But we're going to let you go this time on the one condition that if you see him, you let us know and they leave. He says, Habib, the sacred law allows you to lie in a situation like this you know there is a chance they're going to kill me for no reason, for no justified reason. They're going to jail me. The sacred law allowed you to lie in a situation like this, perhaps mandated you to lie in a certain situation like this. Why, why did you tell them? This is a separate issue that this is your saintly miracle that they didn't see me. But why did you say that? Even though you were allowed to by the sacred law to say that you know, he's not here. He said, I know. I even thought about this fiqh mas'ala myself, but I was ashamed in front of Allah Ta'ala that I should tell a lie. Now, fast forward to like, uh, whatever, like February uh, uh, 24th, 2024. If the police comes looking for me, by all means, please tell them I'm not here. Okay? Especially if you think they're going to kill me for no reason. One thing, if I committed a crime, okay, you can go and uh, throw me under the bus or whatever. But if you know they're just going to kill me for no reason, by all means, feel free to tell, tell them that uh, I'm not here. But what I want you to understand is that if those people at that time didn't have this level of siddh in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we wouldn't be Muslims right now. All of this would have washed away a long time ago. The second thing I want to point out with this story, the likes of which there are many, there are many, every generation, there are thousands of them. Some of you probably have stories like this. If I were to ask people to raise their hand and tell me the times that they told the truth, even though they were afraid of it, but it ended up working, up for, ended up working out for them in the end, we'll be here all night. The point is, is what? Is that it worked for them. Those people literally conquered the entire world. People named their children after them, all the way from Indonesia to Morocco, everywhere in between and outside as well. Until the Day of Judgment, their names are celebrated in this world, and more impressively than that, their names are celebrated in the Mala'ul A'la, in the highest ranks of the celestial realm. If it worked for them, it will work for you. And the proper response, the powerful response against lies is not more lies, it's what? The truth. قُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلَ إِنَّ الْبَاطِلَ كَانَ زَهُقًا Say, Ya Muhammad والسلام, the truth has come and falsehood has vanished. Falsehood by its very nature is vanishing. Just the Shifa hospital story. It's not something from the time of the Salaf. It's not nearly the only crime that's happened in the war in Gaza or in the world against Muslims or by Muslims or for Muslims or anything, anything 
having to do with it or not having to do with it. It's just one small episode. Look what the one thing that the, what the, the, the Palestinians were saying, what the Ghazali people were saying. They bombed our hospital. That's the only thing they said in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. What did the Zionists say? They say, we're going to bomb it. Look, we're bombing it tomorrow. Look, we're bombing it right now. Look, they're celebrating that we bombed it. Then they said, oh, you guys must have bombed it. Oh, look, here's an here's a, like, audio file of a Hamas-intercepted uh, uh, phone conversation of two people speaking in Egyptian dialect, strangely enough, even though it's supposed to be in Gaza. And uh, they're admitting that they bombed uh, it themselves and nobody believed it. And then they lied about this, they lied about that, they lied about the other thing. They changed their story 17 different times and at the end of the day, they bombed every hospital afterward and didn't bother to give an excuse for it. But the truth is one. Do you know how powerful that is? It's powerful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but do you know how powerful that is in the dunya with other people as well? There are so many people had no interest in Islam or in Muslims. They had no interest in Palestine. They had no interest in Gaza. They could give less, less of a damn about any of these things. They saw and looked, damn, these people are lying a lot. They're lying a lot and completely shamelessly. And then the next issue they're lying about, the bombing of the church of St. Porphyrius. They're bombing about the next thing, about the next hospital. They're bombing about killing children, or lying about killing children. They're lying about killing uh, women. They're lying about airstrikes. They're lying about every single thing. They're just lying about it. Now you tell me, who are they going to believe next time? Hey, look, don't be penny-wise and pound-foolish. Penny is like a cent. Pound is like... More than a dollar, mashallah. That you are so penny-minded that you allow yourself to lie on small things in order to cheat yourself out of great things. The talk, I don't want it to go on for too long. But the khulasa of it is what? This issue of Palestine is going to require a lot of steadfastness and it's going to require a lot of sabr. وَاسْتَعِينُ بِالصَّبْرِ Allah Ta'ala commands in His book so many places. Seek help from Allah Ta'ala with patience and with prayer. Ironically, many of the times وَاسْتَعِينُ بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ الَّذِينَ this is a commandment of the Banu Israel that's in the Quran. Seek help from Allah Ta'ala with patience and with prayer. And indeed, it's very difficult except for, for the people who fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Those people who have certainty that they're going to meet their Lord one day and that they're definitely going to return to Him. Why? Because Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wants Kafirs to win in this world and He wants Muslims to like get beat down out of some sort of sadistic like entertainment? No. In fact, this is how you win. And what does sabr mean? This is also something that's related to the idea of telling the truth. Sabr, which we translate as patience, is of many different types. What we think of as sabr is a very simple concept. Okay? Your mother is like slapping you in the face like a hundred times as a small child, and then you're like, I should have sabr and sit there and get slapped five, six more times. Maybe you should because you deserve it when you're a kid. 
But this is not that. Like not every time you get slapped in the face is that what you're supposed to do. Sabr is, in some instances, when you have no control of what's going on, it's to patiently and di with dignity and courage and honor take what's coming without losing composure. This is a type of sabr. Another type of sabr is you see something you shouldn't do, and you gather your courage and hold yourself away from not doing that thing. A different type of sabr is doing something that you know you're supposed to do. But despite it being hard and it being painful for you to keep doing it, and it being difficult and you not having resources to do it, and you not having comfort in doing it, still doing it anyway. Being steadfast and keeping, keeping on with doing those things that you know you have to do. Again, the context, the lesson is universal, but the particular context is Banu Israel. The army is diminished because the people were told not to drink from the river except for a handful. The people drank because they were thirsty. They said, not only do we get to drink, but we also get to like bounce out of having to join the fight. This is a no-brainer. And so very few people are left. And then they see the army of Jalut of Goliath. What is the dua? رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ This is a dua I think a lot of people nowadays ask. Maybe not those people who are right now like, you know, stuffing their face in some sort of biryani khur uh, 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 event in a hall somewhere where they're going to sleep without praying isha. But there are people in this ummah, if some people are spiritually sleeping or dead, there are some people who are alive and shining with nur. Oh, our Lord, pour over us patience, soak us in patience. Okay? What does patience mean? Does it mean you're getting slapped, so keep getting slapped? By the con context, obviously that's not what it means. That people are going, advancing toward a battle that they didn't have to join, that they could have weaseled out of it. They're deliberately moving toward it. And they're saying what? Our Lord, pour over us patience and make firm our feet and aid us, give us victory over this nation of disbelievers. What does it mean? If you're doing something, keep doing it. If you're doing what's right, keep doing it. Don't let shaitan talk you out of it. If the shaitan comes to you in the, in, in the face of a brown-faced, rented brown face of a Muslim to try to talk you out of it, still don't let them talk you out of it. If it's the haq, even if your mother and father come and try to talk you out of it, still show them other than ihram. Don't yell at them and call them names, but don't let them talk you out of it. Even if it's... If you're, no one cares about their mother and father anymore. That was back in the old days. That, the, that was a fitna for them. Even if your girlfriend, even if your wife, even if your beloved, even if the person who you know, gave you money or who is your uh, best friend or the person who gave, gave you tickets to the Leafs game uh, last year or whatever person you feel indebted to, you, you're not indebted to anybody more than you're indebted to Allah Ta'ala. Don't let them talk you out of it. Ask Allah Ta'ala. Say it. Rabbana. Rabbana, afrir alayna, sabra wa thabbit aqdamana, wansurna ala al-qawm al-kafirin. 
Give us victory over those people who turned their back to Allah Ta'ala. Those people who were ungrateful to the Lord who gave them every gift, every ni'mah, every blessing that they ever had. And now they'll take the blessings that Allah gave them and not only rebel against the Lord. It's one thing all of us have rebelled against Allah at some point or another. Some of us are in the act of rebellion while we sit in the masjid. But not only did not only are rebelling, but we're in particular using that rebellion in order to harm someone else that we didn't have to harm. What a wretched state to be in. No. So what are you doing for Gaza right now? Look, when soldiers go street to street killing children, I have no shame and I have no compunction in saying that the commandment of the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the one who is able to stand and fight, fights them. If they come with a gun to kill innocent children, if you have a gun, you pick it up and you fire back at them. If they come with a sword, you pick up a sword, you fight back. If someone comes and tries to punch a child in the face, you cock your fist back and crack them in the face for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And such a person is the beloved of Allah. Don't be such a coward. Look, I said it. You're not going to jail if it's illegal. I am. I'm not asking you to say it or even do it for that matter. I'm just saying don't be such a coward that when the haq is said that you inside of your heart where no RCMP or CIA or Shin Bet or IDF or whatever can come inside of that place, can they? They can kill you, but they can never come inside your heart, can they? Man ki dunya afrangi karaj. In the world of the heart, I didn't see that the British were ever able to unseat the Mughal Empire. Right? They like, took over Delhi and Agra, but they never took that over, did they? They took Masjid al-Aqsa, but they never took that in 1967 or before it or after it. So at least understand it and say in, in your heart, between you, the conversation between you and yourself, خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانُ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ وَهُوَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَلِيهِ When you have your discussion with yourself, that Allah who created insan, He created a human being, and He knows the intimate discussion that He has inside of His heart between Him and Himself, and He's closer to Him than the person's carotid artery. That you have this conversation and the one listening to it is Allah with you. At least dare admit it. So Chalo, you are not able to do that, you didn't do that, you're able, you did I don't know, whatever it is or it isn't. It is what it is right now in this time and place. None of us are doing that. If someone is amongst you, please don't talk to me about it afterward, especially not when my phone is on and recording. And it's always on and recording, by the way, just in case you didn't know. But just make dua for me. That Allah give me the tawfiq as well one day. And give the entire ummah of the Prophet one day. But for right now, in this time, in this place, what am I asking you? The thing you can't do completely, you also are not allowed to abandon it completely. This is the haq that you have to speak, and this is the summary you have to have on the haq that you have to speak. Because if you don't have the ways and means, if you're hapless, and not able to do anything, you're not able to stand in between the qatil who's there to kill the child and the child, and stop him. But you can do some things, can't you? You can write a letter to your MPs. You can hold a sign on the street corner. You can talk, maybe you can't even do those things. Talk to your, your friends and neighbors, your non-Muslim co-workers and tell them, look, I get the fact that you don't have a horse in this race. 
Palestinians and Israelis, it's not your problem. Really, it's not my problem either. Okay, we're briyani-eating people. We don't have anything to do with that part of the world ethnically. Except for what? They'll say, well, you have the same religion as them. I go, yeah, but we also have the same religion as a lot of Muslims around the world that are getting killed. You don't see this being such a big deal. What the issue is, is this, is that the issue between you and me, I'm not asking you to fight for a Palestinian state. I'm not asking, all I'm saying is what? Our governments give diplomatic cover to these killers, these baby killers. Our governments send money to these baby killers. Our government cover, governments allow citizens, American citizens and Canadian citizens, to get on a plane. They're terrorists. And they get on planes and they fly over there and they put on the terrorist uniform and they pick up guns. They fire at women and children and then they can come back and the RCMP doesn't interview them. How is that fair? How is that right? You don't have a horse in this race. I don't have a horse in this race. If you really don't have a horse in this race, then don't make it legal for them to facilitate that. Just like it's not legal for a person who wants to go to Iraq and like start a revolution against the Iraqi or Syrian government. Just like it's not, illegal, it's not legal for a person who wants to fly to Afghanistan and like prop up the Taliban or something, some other government or to join the Iranian military or to join the military of any other country, Muslim or non-Muslim, and to fight and kill people overseas and then come back home and have a job waiting for them and a place in the university waiting for them. This is a very, very, very simple argument to make. Again, we're not asking you to start a Palestinian state or to establish the caliphate or to fight against any wall we're saying is what? You see with your own eyes for the sake of the Lord, day in and day out, these people are bombing hospitals, they're killing children, they're killing babies. How is it fair that this is something that we not only, it's one thing if we don't have a horse in the race, it's not in our, none of our business, just, then just ignore it. Why is it that we facilitate this for these people? It's not something that we should allow. Don't tell me about multiculturalism and loving everybody and this rights, that rights, the other rights. You know, mashallah, Canadians are well known around the world for being very rainbow philic type people. I'm sure at least one of those bombs that were left on Gaza killed a gay person or a trans person. At least that you should be upset about. At least one of the bombs was to kill a dog. Don't you cry about that? This is a very easy argument to make. No one will be able to argue back. And if they agree with you or not agree with you afterward, that's between them and Allah Ta'ala, and that's not something you have control over. But you were able to share this much, have sabr in it. It's the hot. Say the hot. Don't be afraid of it. Say it. And don't be pushy about it. Right now I'm being pushy, so like, I get the irony. But you, you're nice people. You're not like, you don't have a screw loose in your head like this crazy moldy from across the border. You say it nicely. You say it in a good tone. You say it with all the hikmah in the world, with all the wisdom and the softness in the world. But be insistent on it. Don't be, don't be soft in terms of the content. Be soft in terms of the delivery, in terms of the style. Don't let shaitan urinate in your ear by telling you and insinuating inside your heart somehow or another by speaking the truth. It's going to harm me. It's not going to harm, harm you. There's a day coming, by the way, people will burn in the fire from the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ because of their abandonment of their fellow Muslims. Remember, we have rights over one another. We have hukuk over one another. One of the hukuk of a Muslim is when someone's killing your children, someone else should at least come and help you to save them. Whether you can save them or not is in the hands of Allah Ta'ala. At least the person should make an intention. 
person who cannot do the entire job is not allowed to also quit the entire job. Even if you do this much, trust me, Allah appreciates it. Even the people in Gaza, they appreciate it. They say, we know your protests don't mean anything. We know that your governments don't listen to you. But we see that someone got up out of their house on a Saturday morning and held a sign and held a flag, and it gives us himmah. It gives us courage. Those people, for us, one thing goes wrong in our life is, oh, do I believe in God anymore? Why is it so hard to be a Muslim? I myself am like that. Allah, forgive me. Allah, give me himmah. Then I see these people, nothing has gone right for them from the day they were born until the day that they are killed in zulm. And the only thing they say in the beginning and in the middle and the end is, Alhamdulillah. I saw a meme just while I was sitting here checking uh, and sending text messages to Mufti Zakaria. I say, I'm here. Don't, just because you don't see me doesn't mean I'm not here. So that he doesn't think that I'm like, delaying the schedule. I saw a meme in it that there's a bunch of IDF soldiers pointing a, 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 a firing squad, pointing guns at a baby. Saying, any first words? When you're executing someone, what are you supposed to say? What do they usually say? They say, any last words? Say, any first words? No. People laugh because you don't know what to do other than laugh. It's just such a messed up situation. It's so stupid. It's so evil. It's so screwed up. Have sabr on saying this truth. Keep saying it. Trust me, you will say it. You don't think anything of it. You think it has no effect whatsoever. It has an effect. Keep saying it. If you don't even have that much himma, say, look, you know, some people, their, their physical, physiological, psychiatric constitution is such that even this much, even this much courage they lack. Some people are like, that's not their fault, they're born that way. You know the, the Hassan bin Thabit, who they say that he wasn't able to go out in jihad, he used to basically fortify himself up in Medina with the women. The Prophet never said he was a monafic. In fact, he actually rendered great services to Islam. There's a story about, I think during the Khandaq, that a spy actually slipped into Medina and said, Sawda bin Zama'a, the wife of the Rasul sallallahu mother of the believers, may Allah send upon her peace and be pleased with her. She says to him, there's a spy, go see what's going on. He said, if I had enough courage to go and see what was going on, do you think I wouldn't go out with the army? And so she herself snuck up on him and cracked him in the head and killed him. If you're like that, you're not like that. Inshallah, you have more himmah than you give yourself credit for. You never know until you try. Believe in yourself, not because of who you are, but because of who Allah is. But you tried, and it, the last ten times it didn't go well, and so you're like, look, this is not my thing. At least have sabr, have sabr in your dua. Have sabr in, you don't want to remind a non-Muslim, remind another Muslim. You don't want to remind someone who will disagree with you and fight with you, remind the person who will agree with you. If you cannot remind anyone, at least make dua every day. MashaAllah, he left the Fajr and he read the Qunut. It renewed some faith and some nur in my heart. And it removed some of the darkness of despondency of giving up hope. In what seems like a hopeless situation, it's not hopeless. Keep speaking the truth, keep speaking the truth. The haq is one of Allah Ta'ala's sifat. Don't be like your enemies. That's how shaitan wins. Shaitan is your real enemy. He wins by making you follow his path because your enemies followed his path. His path is going to destroy them far before it destroys anyone else. The only one it will destroy more than them is you and me if we take that path up and have sabr afterward. Don't give up just because it doesn't work today or tomorrow. It will work one day. It will work one day. It will work one day. Al-Haq is one of Allah Ta'ala's own names and his own sifat.
When the haq comes, falsehood cannot abide. Falsehood by its very nature is perishing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma.